Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. The paradox of our time, you're probably sitting here going, okay, what's that mean? Well, let me, let me explain it. Let me explain it. A paradox is a principle or belief contrary to received opinion. A statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense and yet is perhaps true. For example, sanity is knowing that I don't know. This is a paradox, all right? Another good one is this one. The blue button is true. The red button is false. Does it make sense? Listen, when I looked this up, I was like, okay, how am I going to explain this to you people? And then I saw this video. So if you guys would roll that video. That is what a paradox is. We buy more but enjoy it less. We've earned more degrees but lost our common sense. We choose the religion that fits our personality best but deny the God who gave us one. We've multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. We've learned how to make a living but not a life. We've conquered outer space, but not our inner space. We've placed more value on success than on significance. What I want you to see today is that human beings are at war with themselves. And that war within can, off, can often and does bring people to their knees through confusion, disillusionment, loss of hope, as well as not having an understanding of the unforeseeable future. The world may be confused, but as Christians, I believe that we have an understanding of what we're facing, that we have the answers to most of these questions. You and I have hope, amen? But many Christians never get to that place where they use that information to help themselves or those around them. Where do we get this helpful information? God's Word. Amen. I want to start reading today from the book of John. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. The book of John chapter 1, and I'm going to begin with verse 1. As I began to pray about this message earlier this week, I was taken here from a conversation that I had with someone, and I thought, you know, this is so important. And I believe that the rest of the message will jump off of this. But what are we all about? We're the messengers, aren't we? You and I. We're the messengers to this world. And the initial messenger was none other than Jesus Christ. So let's start reading there. In the, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now this Word... Uh, is, is translated into to English is from the Greek, and it actually was logos in the beginning, meaning a spoken word. And, and I like this better. It's a divine expression. So Jesus was God's divine expression to man. That's a pretty cool way to look at it, isn't it? He existed in the beginning with God. So Jesus started at the very beginning. When the world was created, he was there in the beginning. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. 
Are you getting the importance of Jesus here? The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Who is this Word man that brought us life and a light that cannot be extinguished? God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe that because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell everyone about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now I want you to watch what happens here and notice, notice this next verse. So he was coming, and this says he came into the world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Now obviously, we're talking here about being born again. How many are born again in this room today? All right, That means you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You have asked him to forgive you of your sins, and he has done that in your life. And the rest is going to unfold as history takes place, but eventually, where are we going to end up? In heaven. And I'm telling you what, whatever God's got in store for us, whatever he's building now for us when we get there, it is going to be incredible. You look at the world around us today, it's pretty awesome. I think everybody would have to agree to that. But whatever he's doing in heaven, it's going to, it's going to supersede whatever he's done already, and I can't wait to see that. So verse 14, so the word became human, and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. Now note here that these two men, Jesus and John the Baptist, were born about the same time. And yet John is saying, Jesus was here a long time before I ever got here. So obviously he was talking about the heavenly Jesus, not the earthly Jesus. Verse 16, from his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Can you say amen? Where do all good things come from? God, from Jesus. From God, through Jesus. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses... But God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son is himself God. Note that right there. The one and only Son is himself God and is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. What I want you to see here, that this chapter, 1 John, excuse me, not 1 John, but John chapter 1, this chapter blows all the cults away, blows the, the Muslim faith away as far as Muslims believe Jesus was just a prophet. Just like Muhammad was just a prophet. But they feel like Muhammad was the prophet. Well, I'm telling you, John says right here that Jesus was the Son of God. And that he, he introduced us to his Father by coming here. Muhammad didn't do that. Muhammad was just a prophet. Jesus was not. He was the Son of God. Get that in your heart today. 
This book that John inspired is a part of the bigger book that God has given us, and we, of course, call it the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, just look at those real quick. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And then 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So when we read the Bible, we have to understand in our hearts that God wrote this through men. The argument is that a man wrote that book. You can't trust it. Not according to Scripture. And I don't believe that you can get 66 books that all line up with each other with 40 different authors at least, and it's still harmonious. Over 1,500 years' time. I don't believe anybody could do that but God. And he's very clear that he wrote the book and he used men to write it. He used their personalities. You'll see a little bit of that in the writings, but it was given to them by the Holy Spirit. So when we read our Bibles, we need to understand that this isn't just man-made. It's God-inspired. It's God-made. Amen. We can trust it. The Bible is full of God's promises. They're laid out for those who follow and are obedient to his words. According to the scriptures, God created you, and he created the world around you. Everything that we see was made by God through Jesus. The Bible also declares that God wants you to live a rich and satisfying life. How are we doing with that? Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have it all warm and fuzzy and cozy wherever you're at. There are Christians around the globe today that are losing their heads, literally, because of their faith. That's not exactly enjoyable, probably. But I'll tell you, God's using them in a mighty way, and they've been given a higher calling than you and I. Some of us may be called to do that someday. I don't know. But the fact is, I believe God wants us to be happy in this life, regardless of our station, regardless of where we find ourselves. He wants us to enjoy this life. That's why the Lord said that he came to give us life and life in abundance. What was he talking about? He wants you to enjoy this life. But it won't make any sense if you're not applying the book to the way that you live. If you're living the way the world lives, it'll never make sense. You're going to be confused. It isn't going to make sense. You're going to be disillusioned. You're going to be hopeless. And you're going to end up dying in your sins, which is going to lead to something else at the end. But those who believe, those who put their trust in Jesus Christ, will in the end be rewarded with everlasting life. That's God's promise to you. That's one of the many. Those that remain faithful to the end will be rewarded with everlasting life. Slide number 12, our testimony. What is it? Your testimony is an outward sign of an inward change. You all realize that, right? So when you say, I'm born again, what does it mean? It means that something ought to be changed inside of you. If you're the same person you were before you said the prayer, then something's missing. Like the Holy Ghost. 
Because there ought to be a change in you. And, and it's not always instant. It's not always all, boom, Clarence, you're a brand new guy now. Everything's gone. No, we still carry some of that old personality that tries to fight. It tries to get back at us, doesn't it, huh? Mainly when we're driving, right? And that dummy pulls in front of your truck, giving you 10 feet to stop on a slick road, and you're sitting there going, God, help me not to lose my salvation. I know. I know. I know what you're thinking. And God knows too. But that's the old man. But normally, brother, you are a breath of fresh air. God is in you, and you can see it. And the Spirit of the Lord is working in you, and he's developing that relationship between you and him. And when I see you, man, I see your light shining bright. And I love you for that. I do. And many of you are like that today. But you might be here today, and you might say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but nobody knows it. My point is, we ought to be able to see that. There should be a change in you of some sort. If there isn't, I'm not quite sure about your testimony. Even though we're surrounded by a very desperate and dark world, the Christian's testimony should reveal a peace that passes all understanding. Our lives should reveal a hope that can only come through fellowship and right standing with God. Amen? Those who don't know God or choose to reject Him will not find the peace that comes to those who do. Without Christ, their life will be a paradox, and they will needlessly carry the burden of sin, a burden that cannot be unloaded by human means. You can't get rid of your sins. You can't be a good person, and God will just one day go, okay, all's forgiven. Uh Uh-uh. Not unless you accept what Jesus did for you, and you Wash yourself in the blood of the Lamb. That's the only way to get rid of that sin burden. And if you don't do it, it's going to result in a weight that will eventually result in a darkness over your life. You'll be hopeless, you'll be in despair, and it will consume you. Now this isn't good news. The good news is that God gave us a way to be restored to Him through Jesus Christ. But we have to do something with that. And if you're here today and you say, man, I've not done that, I don't feel peace, then I'm going to give you that opportunity at the end of this service to say yes to Jesus. And I'm telling you what, he changed my life when I was 23 years old, and I have not looked back. I have not looked back. Other than to say, look at how good God is. Hallelujah. I'd like to read from Romans chapter 5, and and this is... The Apostle Paul describes, as I look at it, a paradox between death through one and life through the other. Romans 5, beginning with verse 18. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. So where does our sin come from? Adam, okay? Adam and Eve. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. And that That one act that I'm talking about is when he allowed himself to be hung on that cross on Golgotha, on Skull Hill, some 2,000 years ago. That's what I'm talking about. He placed himself up there where you and I should have been. He allowed those Roman soldiers to nail him to that cross. And through his shed blood, and every drop was released, water came out of him saying that there was nothing left. That one act spared you and me from eternal damnation. We have so much to be thankful for. 
Verse 19, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. That's us. You and me. We're all sinners. All have fallen short of God's glorious standard. All of us. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. And that's talking about none other than God the Son, Jesus. Verse 20, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. Why was God's law given? So he could punish us? Beat the daylight out of us? Send us to hell? It was so that we would know whether we're doing right or wrong. We live in a lawless society today. Watch the news. I'm telling you, I shared some atrocities with some brothers this morning. I won't go into it, but stuff I see human beings doing, the hate, the murder, the, the, all the stuff, it, it's an atrocity. It is. It's, they're heinous crimes. Why? Because we've lost sight of the Ten Commandments. We've lost sight of what God said, do not murder. We don't have that in the rule book anymore. Everything goes. Oh, man's his own creator. Do what you want to do, brother. Look at where it's going without God. It's a godless society. And we can only look forward to more of this unless the Holy Spirit begins to move on this earth. Unless you and I begin to move and share the light that God has put in us. That's our responsibility. You know that, right? Why are we here? To tell people about Jesus, that there's hope in him. And if you turn your life over to him, he could do great and wonderful things. That's what people need to hear. But as people sinned more and more, continuing with verse 20, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's the paradox. All have sinned and deserve death. But through God's grace and his mercy, he sent Jesus to die in our place on the cross. The result is that through Jesus, we're forgiven of our sins and we inherit eternal life. How cool is that? That's the good news. So we, the followers of Jesus Christ, have a hope in the future, unlike the world at large. Our future is not dark, for as the Bible says, Christ is light and the dark cannot diminish it. Our future is also not unseen, but it's seen. For the Holy Spirit was illuminated, has illuminated what's to come for those that have trusted in God's word and have been delivered by God's one and only Son. So if, if God, if you've given your life to God, then his light is in you, and he will illuminate your future. I had a brother uh, speak to me recently, and he said, you know, I think God's moving me to do something different, something new. And that's what God does. He begins to show us things that are coming. He may not give you the whole picture, but he gives you a little piece of it, and he starts to stir us on the inside. How many have been there? You know what I'm talking about. That's the beauty of serving the Lord. That's the beauty of giving your heart to Him is that He begins to use you in ways you never planned to be used. 
1986, I worked at General Motors at Oldsmobile in their engineering department testing engines. I planned to do that till the day I retired, which I would have retired about 10 years ago. Okay? But something happened. I got this nudge in my spirit, and the Holy Spirit started saying, Norm, I want you to do something else. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, God. I'm making 30 bucks an hour. I have full health benefits. I have four boys. I can't just up and leave this. Norm, I want you to go into full-time ministry. And I'm sitting there going, what? But as he spoke that into my heart, I began to kind of take it in. I went home and I shared this with my wife. And some of your wives might have gone, are you crazy? But not mine. She's like, woohoo! Leave it to Pastor Barb. She got so excited that God was going to do something supernatural in our lives and he was moving us to a new place. We didn't know what it was. It was a whole new adventure. But we knew God was in it and he kept moving and moving and giving, it, giving us that unction to do something different. And eventually, eventually we answered the call. And of course, God opened up every single door including paying me to quit, what they call a buyout back then. God is awesome. When he asks you to do something, he makes sure that to prepare the way. And he did for us. And, and I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that moment. But that's what God does with his children. If you're living in the world, you're on your own, brother, sister. Why would you want to be like that? When you can be one of God's children, when you can have the blessings of God and all the promises of God are yes and amen, why would you want to do it your way? Well, brother, I'm pretty smart. You don't realize how much I get done. Yeah, but is it making a difference? Because that's what's going to be judged is what you're doing making a difference for the kingdom of God. And if it isn't, if you're just growing your bank account and look what I've done, you know what? It's going to come to nothing eventually. And I've shared this many times lately. But if you are reaching the lost with your testimony, with your resources, with everything that you're made of, eventually you're going to stand in heaven and all these people are going to be paraded by you and Jesus is going to go, that one is here because of you. That one's here because of you. That one's here because of you. Because you invested in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That should get you excited. And you might say, well, I'm a plumber. Or you might say, well, I'm a business owner. Listen, you can use your life. I don't care what. Moms, you can use your lives to reach the lost. Barb used to have Bible studies in our home. She used to work at the church. We had the four children, the little wee watch. She just took them with her. I don't know how she did it. I don't even want to pretend to know because if I took them, after about five minutes, I was like, all right, you guys got to go home. She did everything with those four little guys. She had a wagon she pulled around. Three of them went in the wagon and the oldest one, Cam, he could walk yet at that point. She made it work. I don't know how she did it, but she reached the lost with her life. Didn't mean to brag on her, but hey. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Slide 15. The truth is, our hope is not in what we do, but it's in what God's already done. Our hope isn't in what we do. I'm grateful for that because I blow it a lot. Well, you're the pastor. Sorry. I'm still human. I blow it a lot. You know, one of the things as I laid up last week and the week before with that nice little bug going around, one thing that I was able to do is really latch on to what's coming. And I, I sense a mighty move of God in his church. A move, a move that cannot be manufactured by human beings. We can do a good job in church, you know what I mean? We can. We, we can. we can put on a performance. I don't believe that makes God happy. What pleases Him is when we're, all of our antennas are up and we're all trying to connect with Him. That's what's important. When we're all listening and He's giving us the vision for our future. And I hope that this year, it's going to be a year where you connect with God and he gives you the vision for your future. How many would say amen to that? I believe that's coming in, in a way that none of us ever expected. I think some of you are going to be blown away by what God does next in your life. Here's the truth. In a paradoxical form, and every time I read this, I sit there and I go, Really? What was Paul thinking? Verse, uh, or slide 16, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12 and following. But tell me this, Paul said, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection of the dead? So he's having to go back and explain all about everything that Jesus had already told them, but they weren't getting it. They were already starting to deny that Jesus rose from the dead. For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Now, this isn't what you want to hear, is it? How many want to hear that after the end of this life? Oh, sorry, you know, you spent your whole life living for Jesus. It was useless. You might as well have just gone out and lived on your own, done your own thing, partied, gotten drunk every night, whatever, blah, 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 blah. You know, the good life, blah, 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 blah. But Paul didn't stop there, did he? Verse 15. And we apostles would all be lying about God. For we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. I hear this argument from people all the time. The atheists, the agnostics. Ah, you know what? Jesus didn't really die. Yes, he did. He had hundreds of witnesses. The men that grew up with him, they saw him after they put him in the grave. And he was 100% there. And they watched him ascend into heaven with the angels and escort. They saw it. 
Hallelujah. Verse 20. But in fact, (laughs) I like that. Say that with me. But in fact, say it one more time. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Do you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, and all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. This is another promise of God. We have so much to look forward to. If only we believe. And don't get sidetracked by all the crud and the garbage that this world tries to peddle. We've got to keep our feet firmly in God's Word. Listen to me. If you're not studying God's Word, if you're not in it on a regular basis, you are eventually going to head out. Because your faith is going to be destroyed. You must get the Word in you. You must believe it. And understand that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. The only way to God. 19. Christ is our hope. Christ is our hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I don't know who said that, but I thought it was really good. Christ is our hope. He's our only hope. Acts 17.28 says, For in Him we live and move And we have our being. In Him we live and move. Who else do we live and move and have our being in? He's it. He's the only choice. There's no A, B, C, D. Just A. Just A. In Christ we live and move and have our being. Jesus is coming back for His bride, the church, as we just read. And when he does, he's going to take us to that glorious place that the Bible calls heaven. A place that God's been preparing for years, thousands of years. Now, we know God is not confined by time, so we don't know how long he's been working on this thing. But we do know that when he finishes, which I believe is soon, and the Father says, Jesus, go get them. Go get our kids. Go get our young and bring them home. It's going to happen just like that. Trumpet's going to blow. There's going to be a pile of clothes left here, as I understand it, and we're going to immediately be changed into our glorious bodies. Hallelujah. No more. No more being out of breath. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Christ is our future. Christ is our only future. And if you're trusting and believing in him, you will be saved. Now, when I began today's message, I shared this quote as an illustration of what a paradox means. Sanity is knowing that I don't know. But I'd like to change that at the conclusion of this message. Number 21. Sanity is knowing that I don't know, but God does. That's what sanity is. I don't know, but God knows all. There's nothing that takes him by surprise. Our life does not, all of a sudden he goes, what's happening to Norm? He's falling apart here. No, it doesn't take him by surprise. He designed me. 
He knows how whack, wacko I am on the inside. And he's got the right means to pick me up when I find myself in that valley. When I'm riding high, he has a way of bringing me back down the other way. Humility. More of us need that. Walk in humility. It's amazing when you serve God, what he can do in your life and through your life. And that's really where I'm heading with this today. You and I have the answers for this dark and hopeless world. Let me tell you that Donald Trump and Mike Pence are not the answer. Though they may make it easier for the Christians to continue letting their light shine, only Jesus Christ is the answer. Only the Bible has the answers. As such, the church needs to get outside the walls of this building and begin sharing our testimony so that all might see and hear. A pastor asked, what is 750,000 miles long? It could wrap itself around the earth 30 times and it grows an additional 20 miles longer with each passing day. What is it? It's the line of people on earth who do not know Jesus. Sobering. By the way, next week, my message is going to focus on fact or fiction, heaven is real. Uh, not heaven, sorry. Hell is real. <laughs> I said the wrong one. Fact or fiction, hell is real. Next week. There's a lot of talk out there that a good God wouldn't send anyone to hell. And he doesn't. I'll explain that in more detail next week. We need to tell the world what we have in Jesus. We need to stop being bashful and start letting our testimony be seen by all. Can I get a good amen? amen. When Thomas Edison created the light bulb, he struggled with how to get his invention into the hands of the people. Then J.P. Morgan and some other industrialists came along and they saw his invention and they went, hey, I think I, I can see the future of this little light bulb. And they began to develop the Edison Light Company in New York City. Now how did the light bulb come to replace the gas lantern? Let's face it, the guys in the gas industry back then, the oil industry, they were like, hey, this is cool, man. Everybody's got gas lamps. They got to go out and they got to put the oil in them. They got to trim them every night. And then this guy comes along with a, a light bulb, electricity, and he begins to show them how much cooler that is to illuminate the path. How did he get it out? You know what he did? He started showing them how awesome it was by lighting one building at a time, one factory, one ship, one home, one path. And people saw, you flip a switch on. How cool is that? And you can see your way to town. It was awesome. And everybody started to say, I want that, I want that, I want that. They saw the light. The same is true with you and me. God put us here so that we could let our light shine. God put us here. 23. As Dr. Dave Williams likes to put it, we're all hope bearers. We are ambassadors from another world expected to carry the hope wherever you and I go. Amen? That hope is our light. That hope is our light. That hope lights the hearts of others as they connect with you and me. Or at least it should. The light of hope that we carry within ourselves 
cannot be extinguished. It's radiant. It's bright. Now you could cover it up. Some of us do. Walk into our workplace. Oh, hey, I don't want anybody to see my life. I don't want them to know that I'm a Christian because they might make fun of me. They might laugh at me. They might put bad things in my lunch bucket. Where? Let your light shine. Let them know who you stand for. You serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if they're stupid enough to mess with Him, because when they mess with you, they're messing with Him. This is a pretty lame clap. Stop worrying about what people are going to say. Oh, I might offend them. You know what? They're going to end up in hell if you don't. Say something. We need to get our light out there. We need to let it shine. Just as Thomas Edison let his little light bulb shine. We need to let our light shine. I believe 2017 is going to be a year of letting our light shine. We're going to be lit up like the airport. You ever see when those... Larry Kent, you're a, you were a pilot. When you flew in at night, you must have hit a button or something, and all of a sudden that whole airport just lights up. It looks like a giant Christmas tree, doesn't it, with beacons running up and down, so you can't make a mistake and, and land it on the building where they serve coffee, but you're going to be down the center of that thing because you know where you're going, right? Because it's been lit up. You and I are the same. We need to be like those airport runways. When people see us, they need to know this is how you get to Jesus. This is how you get the hope. This is how you get born again. This is how you get everlasting life right here. Let me show you. It is, read this. Jesus told them this story. Can a blind person lead another blind person? No. Both of them will fall into the ditch. A student is not better than the teacher, but the student who has been fully trained will be like the teacher. You and I are supposed to be like Jesus. What did he do? He led people to his Father. He let his light shine. He didn't care. The religious people came and said, Hey, shut up! He said, No, you, you whitewashed cephalus. I wanted to call him uncircumcised something else, but... He had a way to deal with those people who came against him. We should not fear people. We should fear God. What's he going to do if we keep our mouths shut? What's he going to do if millions upon, and maybe billions end up going to hell? Because the church, those who've already been given the answers, kept their mouths shut. I believe 2017 is going to be a year of change for this church. We are going to be more focused outward than we are inward. Everything we're doing right now to develop this is to get ready for this influx, this new harvest of disciples, which I believe are coming. Recently, one of our own felt called to start a jail ministry here in Otsego County. And when she first went in and she, she said, Pastor, I'd really like to start a jail ministry, and they're saying, yes, I just need a a letter of uh, recommendation, and she ran with that. Jen, where are you? Over here. Jen Van Rickenham. And she grabbed a, a couple of our ladies, have been helping her, and they were doing every other Wednesday for an hour. And the Holy Spirit's been showing up. So much so, they were just asked 
Jen, can you guys come every week and can you do two hours instead of one? To God be the glory. That was the first thing she said to me. It's not about Jen Van Rickenham. It's about the light. It's about hope. It's about seeing people that are desperate and giving them what they need. Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And they have witnessed the power of God there. What else is God going to do this year? How's he going to grow his church? How's he going to expand his kingdom? I can't tell you all the answers. But you need to be praying. You need to be born again first. And then you need to be praying, God, what do you want to do with my life? What's next? We should be like little kids at Christmas, waiting to open that present. But this kind of present is something that's going to give us a whole new kind of reward because as we open it and we do it, God's going to use it to reach the lost. And in the end, we're going to be blessed because of all the people. Jen, all those girls that you're ministering to, I trust that eventually we'll see some of them here, but hopefully in some church anyway, somewhere. But all those people, Jen and her team is going to have, you're going to be rewarded. You're going to be rewarded. Every single one. I can't wait. But there are too many that still don't know Jesus. We can't just sit on our laurels and wait until Jesus comes back, as comfortable as that is. God's saying, church, get ignited. You've got the fuel. Ignite it. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? We are humbled to be a part of your plan, to be called by you to do things way beyond our own abilities. We don't do anything, we can't do anything of value without you, Lord. There are folks in this room that haven't taken that first step. I, I sense it in my spirit. And Lord, you know who they are. You've called every one of us. If we're a Christian, it's because we said yes to you. And I'd just like to ask, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, you know what? I, I think I need to take that first step. I want the answers to life's situations, and I believe Jesus is the way to get them. If that's you, I'd just like to pray with you. Just lift your hand up so I can see it. In, in just a moment, I'm going to pray with you. Anybody here today that needs Jesus, and you know it in your heart, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see one hand. The rest of us in this room today, we are called to a higher station as followers of Jesus. As one of God's children, he is expecting you to let your light shine. For some, you're going to be a lot brighter than others. Some of you are going to be a 100-watt bulb. Some of you are going to be a 1,000-watt bulb. And only God can determine what that is. But the point is, is that you need to let that light shine. You know what? Sometimes a little nightlight's all it takes. Come into a dark building, that little nightlight will illuminate the path. Sometimes that's all it takes. You may be a nightlight. You may not be one of those hyper-spiritual people that can get out there and just tell everybody about Jesus. But you can let your little nightlight shine, and it'll help lead people to the runway that leads them to Jesus. 
If you're here today and you say, Pastor Norm, I think I, knew a, I need to do a better job and let my light shine. If that's you in this room today, just lift your hand up. I'm lifting my hand up today. Because I believe God wants to use us in ways we've never dreamt possible. But we have got to connect with Him. We've got to be listening to Him. We've got to be praying and asking, Lord, what's next? Would you say that with me? Lord, what's next? If you start praying this prayer in your own prayer closet, Lord, what's next? I believe God is going to give you the answers and He's going to start showing you the path that you're to take. It might be a new ministry. It might be just latching on to one of the existing ministries. You know, in this church, we need people in children's. We need people in the preschool. Those little ones need to hear about the Lord. That's when the real glue that holds them to Christ is most productive. So if you're thinking, well, I'd love to work with kids. You see Tony, or you see Chris, or you see Carrie or Tori, they will guide you into the right ministry. Or Brian or Colleen for the youth. Maybe you're feeling called to the youth. We need people in there. People to love on. Listen, it takes a special person to love the youth. Doesn't it? Then I, if you're young, if you're a teenager, I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound like that. I'm just, my own experience, I don't have the patience. I was a children's pastor, and I'd get around those junior high kids, I just wanted to biff them. That's how I knew I wasn't called to the teens. It takes a special person to minister to each of these areas, to young adults, to the prisons, to all of these other things. And God has designed you for such a place as this. So if you would, say this prayer with me. And I want to pray first for the one that raised his hand. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Today, on January the 8th, 2017, I put my trust in you. I believe Jesus died for me and has given me new life even now as I pray. From this day forward, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is my Lord. And from this day following, I will do everything in my power to learn about you, to trust you, and to give my life in service of my King. I love you, and I yield to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, the rest of you, pray this with me. If you raised your hand, that you want your light to shine bright, pray this first. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. He has sealed me for eternity with his blood. Today, I have a light in me, a light that represents Jesus. And Lord, I pray it would begin to illuminate, that it would shine bright for all to see. I may not even realize it's shining, but like a moth is attracted to a lamp, I pray the unchurched the sinner, the hopeless, will be drawn to this light in me. And when they come, I'll be smart enough to see that you're sending them to me. And I'll know what to say. You'll, you'll give me the words. 
If there's a scripture application, help me to remember it. And Lord, I just want to reach lost people for you. Because that's what you've designed me for. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Going to be a lot of burning lights in this town. Love you. Thank you for coming out today in this blustery cold weather. Uh, Let's go out and warm up some hearts. Lord, just bless everyone here today. Help us to take this message to our community and to the world. Keep us safe in our coming and our going. And bless our time of coffee and fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.